Please turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 7. Look at uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50 today. And the reason we use the Heidelberg Catechism and its question about the forgiveness of sins is because this is a passage all about the forgiveness of sins and and the love that we ought to have for the Lord Jesus because in Christ all of our sins are forgiven. And this is a story about uh, a Pharisee and a sinful woman and the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, Before we read uh, this passage together, first let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing. Our Father, we thank you today for your word that you've given us uh, stories like this to inform our minds and engage our hearts and to shape our lives. We thank you for the gospel of Luke. And we ask this morning that your spirit would be here today working among us to show us Christ. Help us to see uh, the real Jesus in this passage who has love and grace for a sinful people and help us Lord to to trust him and in trusting him to love him more we pray in his name amen well verses 36 through 50 of Luke chapter 7 let's hear God's word together one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, And anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. 
And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And thanks be to God for his word. Luke has been teaching us that Jesus has authority on earth to forgive us of our sins. I remember back in Luke chapter 5, we looked at the story of Jesus healing the paralytic as a sign of Jesus' authority to, to, uh, to forgive us. Jesus has uh, the power to, to pardon us of our guilt. I think to, to, to really appreciate this story, we need, we need to understand how good that news really is. That, that guilt is not just a fanciful term. Guilt is not just a, a feeling that we have. Actually, that's, that's shame. But guilt is a, a real, objective fact. Guilt is something that uh, we have when we transgress a specified commandment of God. And I'm, today I'm not talking about guilt before a, a human court of justice. I, I'm talking about guilt before the, the holy and pure and righteous bar of God's judgment. And this story, it, it's all about guilt and it's all about the, the power that Jesus has to forgive us of our sins and, and the way we ought to respond when we experience that grace in, in our own lives. And so Luke teaches us, again, that Jesus is the answer to our sin and guilt, but he's not just repeating himself here. Because the, the goal of this story is, is greater love for Jesus. Because he is able to forgive us of our sins. What I want us to see today is that there, there is a connection between seeing our real guilt before God and loving Jesus deeply. And the reason Jesus is often not loved deeply in the world and even among the people of God has, has little to do with whether Jesus is worthy of our love or not and a lot more to do with whether we realize how great our guilt before God really is and how great the grace of our Lord Jesus is. And so this story is about our sin and guilt. It's about the authority of Jesus to forgive us of our sins and the goal. This is my goal today for us. The goal is greater love for Christ. Today, I, I want us to walk through this story and then look at a few lessons we can learn from this story together. And so first of all, in the, fir in the first place, as we look at this story, I think a good summary of it is, this is the story about the love of a forgiven sinner and the contempt of a self-righteous man. A, a Pharisee named Simon invited Jesus over to his house for a meal. Now, in those days, to try to see the picture here, those who were who are well-to-do had uh, houses with, with courtyards in the center. And that's probably where this, this story takes place. 
it was less a private meal and, and, and more so a public event. Uh, he probably had invited special guests to re- recline around the table with Jesus, but remember, the popularity of Jesus is spreading at this time, and others are probably coming to at least stand on the outskirts of the courtyard and listen and watch to see what is going to take place. That's the picture of, of this story. Now, we don't know exactly why uh, Simon invited Jesus over to his house, but I do think it's very clear that he is already in his heart opposed to the Lord Jesus. I think there's a couple of reasons we can see that because first of all, uh, think about how, how Luke has portrayed the Pharisees and the scribes up to this point. We're talking about a group of individuals who have accused Jesus of blasphemy for claiming to have the authority to forgive sins. Uh, a group of people who have accused Jesus of hanging out with the wrong crowds. A group that has accused Jesus of breaking their Sabbath traditions. And just before this passage that we're looking at today, the group that called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But I think there's an even more personal reason for seeing Simon's heart opposition to, to the Lord Jesus in this story. And, and that comes out clearly in the way that Simon treats our Lord Jesus. He, he treats him like dirt, to be frank with you. Uh, no, no water for his feet, no oil for his head, no kiss of greeting. Now, these were all customary signs of hospitality and courtesy at that time. It would be kind of like me having you over to our house and not welcoming you at the door. If you have a coat on, not offering to take your coat, not inviting you to sit down, not offering you anything to drink, giving you the cold shoulder and leaving you out to dry. That's exactly how Simon treats the Lord Jesus in this situation. But I think one of the amazing things is nevertheless... Uh, Jesus takes him up on this invitation. Jesus goes to his house, I think showing us that Jesus really is full of grace, my friends. Not only for notorious sinners, but also for self-righteous Pharisees. And while they reclined at the table, uh, something happened to, to to the utter shock and horror of at least Simon, as well as others, I think. Uh, Luke introduces this disturbance by, by the words, and behold. And we don't, we don't talk like that today. You know, Karis, when she wants me to look at something, she doesn't say, Daddy, behold. Um, she gets my attention other ways. But this is Luke's way. He's saying, look at this. This is, this is really important for you to see because this is showing us something about the Lord Jesus. And we read that uh, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that Jesus was reclining at, reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she came to Jesus. Now, students of Scripture are, are virtually all agreed here that a woman of the city is, is a polite way of putting it. Um, this, is, this is code. She's a woman of the streets. She's a, she's a call girl. She's a prostitute. I think that's how we're to understand her in this story. We, and we don't, need to, we don't need to go into any detail this morning, but her life was awful. Uh, she used her body in service to sin. She was sinned against. She knew deep shame in her life. She lived a, 
a dismal drudgery of life. But she, she had heard Jesus and the invitation of Jesus to come unto him and find rest and forgiveness. And it's important for us to, to really understand this story. We're looking at a woman who has already come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know on what occasion, but she, she had heard the gracious invitation of, of the gospel to come to Christ, to find, find rest and pardon for her, her guilt. And at some point she had been convicted in her heart of, of her own depravity, and she saw her sin and, and her guilt, and she saw the authority of Jesus to forgive her of all of her sins. And so she's coming now in light of the fact that Jesus has forgiven her of her many sins. And she has one goal in mind. She wants to show her love and affection and appreciation for what Christ has done on her behalf. And so she comes with what I think is most likely the most expensive possession that she had. This is, this is an expensive bottle of, of ointment that she brings. Now, to, to see the picture here, Jesus is reclined at a table, not in the way that you and I sit at the dinner table with our feet underneath the table, but Jesus is reclined with his feet out from behind him, out behind him, and, and, and this woman comes, and she comes because she wants to pour this, this ointment out as an expression of her love and gratitude for the grace of, of Christ. But as she, as she nears the feet of our Lord Jesus, she's, she's overwhelmed by her emotions. Maybe you want to ask the question, why, why the tears? I think these are multifaceted tears. Tears because she understands how guilty she really is. Tears because she sees in Jesus the savior of her from her sins tears because she is overwhelmed by the sheer grace of our lord jesus christ and before she can even pour out that bottle of ointment she begins crying now these are not just a couple of tears she's she's weeping her her shoulders are are heaving under the weight of this this emotion, this is an effusion of tears. And perhaps to, to hide her emotions from others looking on, she, she bowed her head and, and through her misty eyes saw that her tears were dripping down onto the feet of Jesus. And then she does something that is even more shocking. Something that was utterly unacceptable, social faux pas, she lets her hair down in the presence of other men. That doesn't sound like a big deal to us, but some rabbis at that time said that it was okay for a man to divorce his wife if she let her hair down in the presence of, of another man. It was bad enough that this filthy prostitute has come into our presence, and now she's doing something like this. But I think in her mind, as we look at this story, she doesn't, she doesn't care what other people are thinking at this point. She doesn't care whether they're judging her as far as she's concerned. She and Jesus are the only ones in, 
in the courtyard and she wants to show her deep love and appreciation and gratitude for what Christ has done for her. And so all that matters to her is, is, is Jesus as she, as she wipes his dirty feet with her hair. By the way, why, why are Jesus' feet dirty? Because Simon didn't give him any water to wash his feet. And so she cleanses his feet with her hair and her tears, and then she takes this bottle of precious ointment. And again, this isn't, this isn't some cheap knockoff she got at Walmart. <laughs> this is a precious possession, and she turned it over and she emptied it onto the feet of her Savior as a sign of her love and gratitude. Now, the, this scene, it, it has been entirely focused on Jesus and, and this sinful woman, but can you... Uh, maybe a little bit of speculation here, but can you imagine what is going on around them right now? If there's a, if there's a crowd gathered, I can, I can see people just, just turning away at the shock of it all. That's what, that's what I do when something really awkward happens. I just can't bear to look at it, so I look away. Or we, can, we can imagine others elbowing the person next to them in the side. Can you get a look at, the, at this? Who does she think she is? What is she doing here? This is Simon's house. He needs to do something about this before he embarrasses not only himself, but the entire community. Then uh, Luke does take the camera lens and he he focuses it now upon self-righteous Simon. And we see a window into Simon's heart. He said to himself, that is, he said to it in, in his own heart, in Verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited them saw them, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And you've got to understand when a Pharisee is saying sinner, it's not just, oh, she's a sinner. This is as derogatory as you can get in Simon's heart. Simon is saying in his heart, if you were a true prophet, Jesus, you would have known how defiled this woman is. If you were a true prophet, Jesus, you would know what kind of woman she is and you wouldn't let her anywhere near you. You would rebuke her and you'd send her away because she is going to render you unclean. And so Simon Simon shows contempt in his heart for this woman, and not only for this woman, but in showing contempt for her. We begin to see his contempt for Jesus, his despising of the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace that he shows to sinful people. You see, Simon is among, and not all the Pharisees were self-righteous, bad, sinful people. But Simon belonged to that group of of self-righteous Pharisees who did not see a need in their own heart to turn back to God. Sure, sure, he needed a little bit of grace to get going, but then his relationship with the Lord was based on his personal obedience. In In the heart of Simon, the grace of God was not for People who, who, peoples whose, whose lives have been wrecked by sin. But God's grace is for good people. That's what Simon thought. God's grace isn't for 
unrighteous, defiled sinners. It's for people who act a certain way. But I think we need to see here, Jesus cares not only about this this sinful woman, he also shows tender care for self-righteous Simon. You know, notice Jesus doesn't just dismiss Simon in this story. He, he engages Simon. He, he tells him a parable in order to expose his self-righteous heart. You know, Simon had been saying in, in his own heart, but uh, the, he's been saying these things in his own heart. But friends, one of the things we need to recognize in this story is that, is that Jesus knows our hearts. And, and if we are just trying to pretend uh, to be good externally, Jesus knows what's going on. He, he sees the inner rot within our hearts. And so he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Okay, teacher, go ahead. And Jesus tells him a parable. There's a money lender, uh, two men who who uh, owe a debt, one owes 500 denarii, which is roughly the equivalent of, of two years' wages, and the other owes 50. And the moneylender, realizing they can't pay back their debt, cancels both of their debts. Who will love more, Jesus asks him. Well, I think the answer is obvious. I think Simon was probably offended that the question was even asked of him, but, but he's a little bit wary in his answer because he knows when a rabbi is asking you a question, <laughs> watch out. And so he says, well, I suppose the one with the greater debt. And Jesus says, you're right. Now, the irony of of this story, while Simon could give the right answer, he didn't didn't get it. He He didn't understand what Jesus was getting at. And so Jesus says to Simon, to make it even more clear, look at this woman and the love she has shown me. And look at yourself and the way you have treated me since I've come into your house. You didn't give me any water to wash my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and her, and her own hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she has not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my, my feet. You see, Jesus is pointing them, uh, pointing Simon to the, this different response to the presence of of Jesus and then I think here comes the sting at the end of the tale look at what Jesus says in in verse 47 I mean ultimately this wasn't about money and and debt it was about sin and forgiveness and it was about our response to the Lord Jesus in experiencing that forgiveness as we come to trust in him Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. You see, Simon had had invited Jesus into his, his own home, not to honor him, but really at the end of the day to dishonor him. Uh, he, he showed nothing but contempt for, for the Lord Jesus. He was, we need to understand this, he was publicly and deliberately dishonoring Jesus Christ. And when we think about the identity of Jesus Christ, we we begin to see the the depth of the the guilt of this man. This is not just some countryside rabbi. This This is Jesus the Messiah. This is the Son of God in 
our flesh, God come in our humanity to save. This is the Messiah promised from of old, the, the Lord of glory. And Simon looks upon him with contempt. What are some lessons that we can take away as we think about this, this story together? Right, the first thing I want to make sure that we understand is that faith comes first. We, we need to understand the order of faith, forgiveness, and love. In, in verses 47 and 48, Jesus is not saying that the woman has been forgiven because she loved. That's not the meaning of for in that sentence. He is not saying that her love is the basis of her forgiveness. My friends, that would be to turn the gospel on its head and, and say that God loves us because we first loved him. That's not the gospel. Jesus makes the order, I think, very clear at, at the end of this passage. Look at what he says in verse 48. To make it so clear, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In other words, it's not your love that has saved you. It's because you have trusted in me, Jesus is saying. It, it is by faith that our sins are forgiven. But it's also important to, to, to understand what Jesus is saying about faith itself. Because Jesus isn't actually saying that faith in and of itself is what saves. As Christians, we don't believe in, in faith in faith. But rather, it is, it is the faith that takes hold of the Savior who has the authority on earth to forgive us of our sins that saves. Faith is, is, what, was, is what lays our sins upon Jesus, the, the, the spotless Lamb of God, who is, who is able to take away our guilty stains. We need to understand that crucial distinction. And so by faith in Christ, we are forgiven Love does not earn our salvation. Love is the right response to our salvation. Nor does faith earn our salvation. Faith is the way we take hold of the Savior who has, who has earned our salvation by his righteous life and his substitutionary death on the cross for, for his people. And so faith as we sing, it, it is, it is the, the empty hand that takes hold of the Lord Jesus and says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And so faith comes first. We need to understand that. But, but then we also need to see that uh, love is the right response to the grace of Jesus experienced in our lives. We, we deserve hell. We deserve the, the wrath of Almighty God to be poured out upon us. We, de we deserve judgment, but the gospel says to us that, that in Christ Jesus, your sins, as we were reminded today, they're, they're cast into the depths of the deepest sea. And, and in Christ Jesus, you have his Perfect righteousness received by faith. You see, there, there is forgiveness and, and acceptance with God through 
Christ. Can Can I say it today, friends? There is salvation for prostitutes. There is there is salvation for for all manner of sinful people. Gluttons, drunkards, liars, swindlers, adulterers, idolaters, drunkards, thieves, the sexually immoral. There is salvation in Christ Jesus. And and what is the response? What is the right response to such grace in Christ? It's love extravagant love. This this woman knew she deserved hell. And notice her love is not this calm, cool, and collected love. She knew that the record of her debt was canceled in Christ. She knew that Jesus Christ was able to see to the pardon of all of her guilt before the righteous bar of God's judgment. And she knew Jesus was calling her to a new life altogether. And so she responded by trusting in the Lord Jesus. And she responded with love. And and look at how she loved. Again, this, this this is an explosion of emotion in this story, isn't it? My friends, Jesus, I want to say this to you today. Jesus is worthy of our deepest love and affection. And my question for you today is, do you, do you love him? Do, do, you, do you love him? He is worthy of our, our absolute and, and deepest love. And Christ wants us to know in this passage that he not only desires us to know him with our minds and Trust him with faith, but to love him from the depths of our heart. And, and I, I, I want to say this. I know, we all, I know we all respond and express emotions differently. You, know, you and I are, are complex creatures. But, but when was the last time you were just bowled over by the sheer grace of Jesus? When, when was the last time you were overwhelmed in your heart at the thought that Jesus is able to cleanse you from all of your guilty stains? And, and, and when was the last time that you loved Jesus in the way that this woman loved Jesus, coming to him and essentially saying, you can have everything. You take, take my life, take my mind, take my will, take everything that I am, take my possessions. I lay them at the feet of Jesus because you are worthy of all of my love and affection. We're going to see in this story love, extravagant love, is the right response to Jesus' grace experienced in our lives. But I think another important lesson in this story is to love much we must know much of our sin. Let me say that again. To love much, we must know much of our sin. Jesus said, he who is forgiven little loves little. Now, now Jesus, let's, let's be clear. Jesus is not saying that to love him a lot, what you need to do is go out from church today and, and, and go and sin a lot. 
Jesus, Jesus is not saying that to become a bigger lover of Jesus, you need to go out and, and commit bigger sins. That's not the point of this passage. The point of this passage is that to, to love Jesus more, you need to realize how great and big of a sinner you already are. You see, the issue is not whether we're great sinners or not. The issue is whether we know how great of sinners we already are. And, and what made the difference between this sinful woman and Simon the Pharisee was their awareness of sin. And so, brothers and sisters, what, what we need in our lives is a greater awareness of our own sin. This woman loved much because she understood how deep her guilt really was. She, she loved much because she knew the greatness of, of her own sin. She had great thoughts of Jesus because she knew how great her sin was. And so you see, the, the way to an appreciation of grace, the way of love starts with an awareness of sin. And, and that sin being, being pardoned fully in, in the Lord Jesus Christ A, a, a Christianity that downplays sin is a Christianity that will have little love for Christ. Her sins were many, and she knew it. She knew who she was, and so her love for her Savior was great. And my friends, I think a question this raises for us is, just in, in the world, but within, within, the, within the church... Why is there often so, so little love for Jesus Christ? And I think at least part of the answer is that we have not seen the greatness of our sin before a just and holy God. And that is why we do not taste and see the, the sweet and full and sufficient and complete work of Christ on our behalf. If we... If we minimize sin, we minimize God. And if, if we minimize God, we're minimizing his grace. And if we minimize his grace, we will have minimal love for Jesus. And so what we need to see, this is the lesson. The greatness of our love for Jesus is connected to an awareness of the greatness of our sin. The woman broke down in tears not because she thought she had done a couple of, made a couple of mistakes throughout her life. She broke down in tears because she knew who she was. A wretched sinner before the eyes of God. And then he, he saves sinners like that. And the good news of this passage, my friends, is the more clearly we see how sinful we already are, as we trust in Christ, the more we will see and appreciate the sheer grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and love him. The more we understand the, the sinfulness of our sin, the more, the more we will savor the sufficiency of our Savior. And there's one final lesson very briefly here. And, and it's, a, it's a call to all of us. Let us trust and love the real Jesus. You know, God, has, God has given us this story because he wants us to see 
the real Jesus, a Jesus that shows grace to hard-hearted Pharisees and to notorious sinners. And so, my friends, the question for us is, is what Jesus are, are we following today? Are we following a domesticated Jesus who, who loves people who just look like us? Or are we following a Jesus who seeks and saves the lost? Are we, are we following a Jesus who will cross the tracks and show grace and love to, to a prostitute and bring her into the kingdom of God? May, may God grant to each of us the, the eyes of faith to see the real Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus full, full of grace for sinners. A Jesus who has authority on earth to forgive our sins. And a Jesus who is worthy of our deepest love and affection. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the story, and we ask now that you would indeed grant us the eyes of faith to see and behold the, the real Jesus, full of grace for sinners. And I pray today that each and every one of us would go to him and embrace him with the hands of faith, laying our sins upon him and finding the righteousness we need, and go on from there, Lord, to live lives of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.